Today's episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by Spotify, which has the best podcast listening experience imaginable. You can discover new podcasts with their charts. You can change your speeds. I am a 1.2 guy, whatever you want to do. You should be listening to music there anywhere. And if you listen to music there, listen to podcasts too. We're also brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. Playoff basketball is here. It is time to celebrate the return with Buffalo Wild Wings, where the wings come in 24 sauces and seasonings. When you watch at home, make sure you watch with a wing bundle. Basketball. Playoff basketball. Yeah, it's back. No better way to watch than with Buffalo Wild Wings. If you want to follow uh, our content, you can go to theringer.com. All the stuff that we are writing every day, little previews, uh, reactions, features, everything as we dive into um, seven, eight weeks here, playoff basketball. And then uh, the Ringer NBA show is going to be going at least four times a week. Don't forget about Mondays, Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell. That podcast is already excellent. We've got the mismatch on Tuesdays and Thursday nights with KOC and Verno. And then group chat will be going at least once a week on Wednesdays. So you can listen to those. You can listen to Ryan Rosillo. You can listen to R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco. They're hitting the basketball as well. I think Rucco might even be calling some games. Uh, one more thing on playoff basketball. We are launching a new contest on FanDuel. It's a daily fantasy contest. Every day there's playoff games. $5 entry fee per contest. And if you win your day, you get a ticket to the leaderboard series during the NBA Finals where all the winners will compete for a share of 50K cash ringer swag. And you can be deemed the sole survivor of the Ultimate Hoops Ringer League. Learn more and enter at fanduel.com slash hoopsringer. Age and location restrictions apply. I came up with this idea. I was super excited about it. I want to know who the ultimate hoops ringer is. So let's do it. Every day, all you have to do is win one day and you advance to the finals. There you go. Coming up, Russell and I are going to break down the 25 most intriguing players in the NBA playoffs and a whole bunch more. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, we're taping this Sunday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. No basketball for the first time uh, in a couple weeks. Kind of a bummer, actually. I feel like they misplayed this. I felt like they could add a, a couple uh, playoff games tonight. Ryan Russillo is here. We're going to... I made a list of the 25 most intriguing players in the 2020 NBA playoffs. And instead of sharing it with you and including you, um, I'm just going to throw my list at you. And you can agree <laughs> with me and disagree. It's more fun that way. We just would have been arguing in a Google Doc for four hours. Now you could just get mad at me. Uh, I do have a, I have a small scoop, though. No, I you just ready? have to stop you for a second to be like, hey, I came up with this thing that I researched the shit out of. Didn't tell you ahead of time. How's your Sunday? Didn't research it. Just made oh, okay. my list. All right. All right. Made my list. Um, I have a small scoop, though. Okay. So I'm hearing that... Uh, they're going to actually try to condense these playoffs a little bit in round two and round three because the players are starting to get a little restless in the bubble, at least some of them. So they have talked to the networks about the finals was supposed to be finals was supposed to start Wednesday, 930, September 30th. Now they're going to um, do this thing with round two and round three, I guess, or they're trying to where basically when a series ends, you try to play the next series 
in the next round as fast as you possibly can, as long as the two, there's going to be no wait. There's going to be no one team waiting five days, the other team waiting three days. They're just going to be plowing ahead. And they really apparently want to get the final started by Wednesday, uh, September 23rd. Another option is Friday, September 25th or um, Sunday, September 27th. So this was, I had been hearing rumors about um, as as much as we all love bubble basketball, maybe not as great to be going back to the same suite over and over and over again. What have you heard on this? Well, first of all, good scoop, and um, you've done you've done a pretty good job. Uh, well, I don't know, you've done a really good job on this. Like when we talked about Orlando months before it happened, and all the stuff that we'd had. So I I trust you on this one. I just there's part of me that wonders if LeBron just said to Adam Silver like, "Hey, Mallorca in early November is the best." time to go so <laughs> I, 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 I would like i would like to back this thing up there there's no like my whole thing through all of this not even basketball bill has been uh like but there's, there's parts of this it's sacrifice you know as silver said you know we have to find a way to kind of like put this whole thing together so i know the guys like i i interviewed seth curry for um for tuesday's podcast and you know it's it's for those of us that have lived in a hotel, I lived in a hotel for like three years at one point. It's an incredibly boring existence, even though, you know, I wasn't getting paid like $7 million a year. I remember I was in the same hotel for one of the years I was doing countdown for the finals when it was two, three, two in San Antonio for eight straight days in the same hotel room. And and by, and I had pretty nice room. Right? It was like a junior suite. By the eighth day, I was you know, turning into, um, somebody from the exorcist Four. like, I was just like losing my mind. So after a month, I can't imagine. And I do think like, you know, these guys are used to being in, you know, big houses with their people around and just having everything customized their way. And I'm, I'm sure it made me think, cause I hadn't really thought about it. I'd been so into the basketball. I hadn't thought about the psychological stuff is actually going to be a huge factor with these playoffs. So now if they end up condensing these playoff series and really, really tightening it, I think that's going to affect who wins the championship. Because if you're looking at a team like the Clippers and it's like round two is up, we're starting round three, you know, 48 hours later, 36 hours later, whatever it is, there's some of the older teams I think are, uh, are going to be in trouble. All right. So are you to the point though, where you are willing to accept like an outcome that you wouldn't normally think of? And that's, that's kind of where I stop myself whenever I think about this. And, you know, the Celtics are kind of like this hot media pick because they were younger. And I'm thinking like, Hey, they haven't really played together that much. Although I absolutely love the way the Celtics went about the bubble. Um, Me too. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Cause you're, you're still not getting on a plane. The fact that you're not on a plane for three months, even if it's condensed, like, I would think that that kind of balances itself out. So I don't know that I'm ready to start picking other teams that I wouldn't normally pick because of a different schedule. Here's what it does, though. So you got like the Westbrook, Westbrook strain quad type thing. The way they had the playoffs before, you really did kind of ease into that round three. And round three became every other day. First two rounds, grueling, but, you know, they were still, especially if you could finish your series early. So... Who knows? I mean, there might be a situation where, you know, you have, let's say the Heat win in round two and the Bucks win in round two, but the Bucks win in five games and the Heat take seven games. Like there's going to be no way to start the next series, obviously. And I don't, I don't think they would do it so that if somebody won in seven games, somebody else won in five games, the series just, just started the next day. But this is the first time 
I really thought about what a grind this is going to be. Cause it, if let's say, let's say it starts Friday, nine 25. Well, today's tomorrow's going to be August 18th. You're talking about four rounds in like seven weeks or less. That that's about as hard as we've seen since 1999. That was the last time we've seen a grind like that. And teams got hurt. Can I share a hotel story with you that I know you're going to like? Let's hear it. So years and years ago, living in Southington, Connecticut at ESPN, because I had a place in Boston, but I was at ESPN the whole time. And Wade Boggs was on my return flight to Hartford. And I, I had him booked the next day for my show. It was a Sunday show. And I go up to Wade Boggs and I go, hey, uh, like, my name's Ryan. You know, obviously, you know, kids of the 80s, we, it's Wade Boggs. Like, you know, for people that don't get it, like, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I go, hey, uh, I'll get you on the show tomorrow. And he, like, looks at me stone cold and goes, I'm not on your show tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, all right, no problem, dude. Not a big deal. And I knew I had him, but he was, like, matter of fact about it. And then as I pull my car around the Hartford airport, I see him, like, on a phone with, like, a white sheet of paper out. And I go, oh, you know, somebody messed up his travel. So I, I roll the window down. I go, hey, look, me again. I go, where are you going? Can I offer you a ride? And he goes, I'm, I'm going to the residence inn in Southington, Connecticut. I go, well, that's where I live. You know, get in the car, whatever. Immediately throws the dip in. I go, what's up with Clemens? Did he ask out of that game? Like, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stop, right? The blister, then, game six. Right. And, he, and Wade is like, you know what, Ryan? I don't know. He's like, to this day, I still don't know. And so we're across the street from this country bar. That's a big deal. I don't know how in the, the audience is line dancing, but this place is a, a spot. And I was like, hey, look, I got to work in the morning. But I was, I'm like, I don't know if you care, but there's a really good country bar next door. And he, he looks at me. He was so nice about it. And he was wearing like flannels and jeans and cowboy boots. And he goes, am I dressed okay for it? I was like, Wade, you're good. I was like, you're fine. You're Wade Bugs. Yeah, he goes, I'd like to change. Go, okay, cool, no problem. He comes back in a different pair of jeans, cowboy boots, and flannel. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you look great, dude. And we went next door, and it was really funny because we kind of like hit off to the side, and I thought he was like getting really bored with me because I was asking about hitting. And listening to him talk hitting was insane, how great. He was like, hey, look, when you're in the minors, all these different things. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then once I was like, hey, do you want to go up to the front? And then everybody started harassing him. He was way happier. So that was my night with Wade Boggs. Really good time. And he kept asking. He's like, do you want to do shots? I was like, no, I have to work in the morning. He's like, okay, we're not going to do any shots tonight, Ryan. I was like, thank you, Wade. What does this have to do with hotels in Orlando? Nothing. <laughs> uh, um I thought you wanted good stories on this podcast. That was I mean, good. I've, I enjoyed I've, it. I thought, I thought you were circling stuff. around to Wade's hotel suite or something. And it just, it, no. No, Wade, Wade came a by the next day. Yeah, no. Wade came by the next day. was like, uh, he was like, that was a good time last night. I was like, <laughs> it's, like it's all right. Can I ask you about the double elimination games? Bill, you can do whatever you want. I, th I think we're, we're established at this point. I think they have to do this going forward. I really enjoyed Portland, Memphis. I liked the fact that Memphis had to beat them twice. And I think there's a way where you could shorten the season from 82 games to like 76. And you could have the double elimination for 7, 10, 8, 9. And you can make up some of the money that way with potentially eight extra playoff games, as little as four, something like that. But I just liked it. I, and I think it does, you know, a team. you look at a team like Portland, this does happen every year. There's always that one team 
I know it's a fucking long season, but there's always that one team that it's like, oh man, I like the way they're playing now. I wish they, I wish they could make it. And I do think it opens the door for that team to have a better chance every year. There's always one team. So that'd be my case. All right. Also fun to gamble on. Shaking my head like crazy. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I'm going to push back vehemently. Portland is so bad on defense. They couldn't stop the B squad for the Nets. They couldn't stop Memphis without um, Jaron Jackson, which is a big deal. And I'm going to bring up different possession things that I tracked. I wrote down with a pen, not in pencil. And their forward situation where they have to play Gabriel, like, great story. And I'm just so sick of the announcers being like, you know, I could be out there be like, Ryan Russillo, he, he puts it all in. He cares every day. He shows up, you know, th- the locker room loves him. Like he can't fucking guard anybody. And I just, I'm not buying into the Portland as much fun as it was. And I like that team. We all love the Lillard thing, but I'm just not going to buy into a team that can't stop anybody. And then all of a sudden they're going to, they're going to shut down the Lakers forwards. I'm not doing this. And everybody I feel like is doing it. Very fair points. Vegas has only made the Lakers minus 450 in that series. I was driving the bandwagon of watch out. Portland's going to give them a problem. Huge I watched Portland every, guy. I watched every Portland game because we had a huge bet on them to make the playoffs. Plus 40. It was wonderful. Those last How much money games, did you make on that? It, I made like 10 bucks. Um, they were so bad <laughs> defensively the last three games that by the end of that so, Memphis game, I was like, they have no chance of being the Lakers. Like, yeah, first I mean, of all, I mean, they- Mello was like weirdly actually important to them offensively, which, and he's basically, you know, he's on the tail, tail, tail end. He can hit spot up threes once in a while, have a post up, whatever. But then they're bringing in his, they bring, Stats brings in his every first half and then remembers that he sucks. Every time it's like, oh yeah, that guy sucks. That's why he wasn't playing white side. <laughs> you know, you're going down the line. It's like, they basically have five guys and one of them's McCollum who has a broken bone in his back. So on paper, I love the matchup with the two guards. I think the Lakers would have a lot of trouble with Dame, et cetera, et cetera. But they just don't have the depth. It's not going to happen. And if Zach Collins was 100%, then you could be like, okay, well, there's it. But he's obviously not 100%. And uh, and it's not going to happen. It would take Dame. You know, you think about it, he had the 50-plus and the 60-plus back-to-back. Those are like, on the Dame scale, like a 10 out of 10 for him to be able to do that in a game. He'd have to do that at least three times in a Lakers series. It's not realistic. So no, I, and, and I think I think all of us love the Portland thing. This is not an anti-Portland deal. I wish Zach were healthier. I wish CJ was were healthier. I also wish they had more forwards. And it was funny for a franchise that had all these forwards that you felt pretty good about that were like three and D guys. Now they don't have him. And I've been tracking Herzonia like an ex-boyfriend right he now. He is just horrible. And I mean, he's really every- like, <laughs> if he makes the first three of, of the game for him, it's the worst thing that can happen to Portland. Because he's like, oh, man, I made one. <laughs> this is going to go badly. But he had, he had a play where he turned it over and then, oh, no, 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 excuse me. He made a three. You're right. This is perfect. This is actually perfect. He and then he great, had a good strip. He had he like had a, two good plays in a row. And it's like, this is terrible. This is going to end right. badly for Portland. He made a three left side, took a three immediately into the shot clock. And I just, I would love to be an NBA coach. You go, hey, Mario, um, look, we get that you're six, seven, six, eight, and your hair is terrific. But 
we just we're not looking for you to pull from three like 30 feet out with like 18 seconds left in the shot clock that's not our offense that's not how we build our thing like we have other guys that we like we want to defer to a little bit and he pulls up right side and this isn't to be fair it wasn't on him but he didn't get back on defense the other guard is supposed to when the other guard shoots or however it's lined up and uh, I think Tolliver like ran down and then he goes to hit him and then he fouled him. It was like, perfect. You're like, that was 12 seconds of awful, awful basketball. But seriously, man, I don't think they really have much. Like I can sit here and talk myself into the guard situation because the guard situation is a problem for the Lakers. They're going to search out Kuzma. They're going to find guards that are going to go at their perimeter guys with no Bradley, no Rondo, but the, well, and the Lakers situation- aren't going to be able to trap Dame either because I just don't think they have the type of team that would do that effectively. I also think trapping is a little overrated. I, I think it's like, oh my God, this guy's getting trapped. And then really good players go, okay, cool, I'm getting trapped. And then now I'm going to pass it to CJ McCollum. Well, so or, a- or Nurkic. That was what they unlocked in the Brooklyn game. They finally figured out, like, oh, if you do this, we'll just give Nurkic the ball at the foul line. And he basically is a two on one every single time. Then when Memphis tried to trap him, Nurkic just destroyed them. And I, I think. You know, it's funny. We talk about the guards, but Nurkic looks so good in the bubble. Like, like he's going to be a semi-problem, too, for the Lakers. I don't think they have good centers, but they'll end up playing Davis They're gonna at play the Davis. five, and, yeah. and that'll be how it plays out. But it's I don't too know. bad. I, I wish gonna, they had two more guys. I'm going to push back on you. I, I really... Look, man, the JaVale Dwight thing has been a success. To, to get 30-plus minutes out of that rotation... I'm, I would much rather have Nurkic against those two guys well, than okay. Anthony Davis. D- yes, but it's not like as much as I'd like some of the Celtics stuff we're going to talk about, it's not a Celtics type problem for the Lakers at the five. I'm I'm just not sold on JaVale and Dwight. Okay. I think there's big difference in regular season and playoffs for um for certain positions. Those guys, I just want to see it. I didn't, I didn't think Dwight looked particularly good in the bubble. I didn't think the Lakers looked that good in the bubble. And I think that's why one of the reasons why everybody was kind of so excited to see a Dame type character just kind of take them on. Um, but McCollum not being, you know, he, he rallied in the Memphis game, but just in general, he looked like he was somewhere between 60 and 80%, depending on the game there. That's not going to cut it. No. And he was, he was big. Cause he's going to be the guy if they're going to send that trap and, and people are going to try to do that. And I did feel like in the bubble, certain teams were just trapping like crazy and it's definitely like a lakers thing with anthony davis but cj's the guy and in a way like hey this is great i'm four on three and then i drive and then i got mellow in the corner hopefully not gabriel but uh you know trent has definitely turned into somebody but they're just so bad that brooklyn game it was so much fun how about all the offensive rebounds how about the offensive rebounds by brooklyn Brooklyn? allen must add like 10 in the fourth quarter yeah so i think that's where mcgee and howard could hurt them on those second chance, especially when you're playing mellow at stretch four, you're giving up so much in so many different places. I give him a lot of credit for, you know, he made some big shots in the bubble, but that's not somebody who should be the fifth best guy in a playoff team. Like if he was the ninth guy, I could see it, but not the fifth guy. Uh, I want to take a break. And then I want to go through this 25 most intriguing because uh, I think we can cover a lot of hoops here, but we'll take a break. Let's take a break to talk about FanDuel Sportsbook, where they have an amazing NBA playoffs offer for all new customers. Plus 2,000 on any team in the playoffs to win the NBA title. It doesn't matter if, the Buc- if it's the Bucks, Lakers, or Nets. 
plus 2000 on everyone. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Be sure to sign up with promo code BS so they know you're listening to this podcast. Also, we have a new daily fantasy product that we're launching for the playoffs. It's called the new Ultimate Hoops Ringer. FanDuel contest. Every day there are playoff games. $5 entry fee per contest. If you win a contest, if you win a day, you get a ticket to the leaderboard series during the NBA Finals where all the winners from all the playoff days will compete for a share of 50K cash and some ringer swag. And more importantly, most importantly, other than the cash, to be deemed the sole survivor of the ultimate hoops ringer. Learn more and enter at fanduel.com slash hoops ringer. This was my idea. I want it to work. Age and location restrictions apply. And for the sports book stuff, you must be 21 plus present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, West Virginia, and Indiana. New users only must wager on designated boost market max bonus $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. West Virginia, 1800gambler.net. Indiana, 800-9 with it. Back to the pot. All right. I made my list. You react. Okay. The 25 most intriguing guys in the bubble. If I was doing this as a website column, I'd go backwards, but... Uh, for this column, I'm, I'm going to start at number one. Okay. I think it's Giannis. I think he is the guy I'm the most intrigued by in the bubble. I, everything that has happened leading to this bubble playoffs that we have, and especially if they have to tighten the series a little bit, this should be a godsend for him. He, he seems indestructible. He has the best team. I think he's the best player. All of the pieces are here for like back-to-back -back MVPs. We've only had one back-to-back -back MVP um, that ended up never making a finals. It was Steve Nash. Kareem won back-to-back -back in, I think, 76 and 77 didn't make the finals. But it's really hard for a back-to-back -back MVP not to make the finals. And I think his team is good. He's got a good coach. I think the bracket, you know, they're going to have Miami in round two. That's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a hard one. I, I actually You're running off the Pacers. To, yeah, I am. Um, okay. But just in general, I, I think it's lined up the best for him. And he's the one out of all these super duper stars that come in. He's the one where we talked about it before. Where it's like, I love the guy for 47 minutes, but there's that still Pete, that last piece of like, all right, last minute of a game. When you go mano a mano, like that's the piece we haven't totally seen with him yet. All of that's fair, by the way, I don't, I don't think it's wrong to have this little part of it where you go, mm. but I mean, at this point, he is the unquestioned best basketball player in the world, right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really feel like there's much pushback on that anymore. And we, we've, we've rotated around, we've talked about it differently and all these different things, but, uh, there's part of, this is kind of something we talked about last, last playoff series or season where I, I was kind of proud of, where I go, I really think there's a separation between regular season and off season that we've never really seen before. Yes. And, um, you know, everybody just goes, oh, build a wall, build a wall, build a wall. And I, I actually just like saying it to be a dick now because it's so, it's, it's not easy. Like if he's full head of steam and he's going at you and he's about to pick up that dribble, you, you can build a great wall. It doesn't matter. Like you're not going to do anything with him and he still isn't a shooter as hardened as you know we talked about on last week's pod. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I I actually and I sent you a text on this, but you push back. 
he's the best player in the world, but I, I wonder what the NBA will be like post-LeBron and having a foreign player be the unquestioned best player. Because despite all of the LeBron content that we get out of it, I do think there's going to be a bit of a vacuum. You could feel the Giannis versus Luka narrative already kind of brewing a little bit. And Luka, who we're going to get to in a little bit, could make it a lot more fun by really going toe-to-toe with this Clippers team. But look, it's set up for them to rip through the East. And, you know, you look at some of the great players ever, and I think, like, the 91 Bulls are a good example of, like, they just, they ripped through everybody that year in the playoffs. They they lost two games, and I think, I think both, one was overtime and one was, like, a last-second shot. If you were giving me all the scenarios of how this Giannis Bucks thing would play out, there is a scenario where they just destroy everybody in the East, and... Giannis goes to another level. He's only been playing like 30, 31 minutes a game. He's going to have a full tank. And they have a really good team. They're like unbelievable defensively. Like with the stuff they do protecting the rim, you basically just have to bomb threes against them and hope they go in. That's why I think Miami probably has, if you're going to say who has the best chance to upset them, it's got to be a team that has shooters like Miami, in my opinion. How do you feel about Jimmy Butler just going, hey guys, I'm a huge dick. What's up? <laughs> I I think he's had a really fun 2020. I've enjoyed it. What was going on? He was selling coffee for twenty dollars a cup. I don't know what was going on. Uh, all right, I'm gonna keep going. Number two, it's got to be LeBron. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. How many games they're gonna have to play? I thought Raja Bell said something interesting on my pod on Thursday. He was talking about how he's, you know, he's basically who he's been for however many years he was saying the one thing is he can't totally get by people with his shoulders like he used to. And he's like, he's seen tiny bits of atrophy, but nothing, nothing major, but it's just, it's harder for him to create shots, especially against really good teams. And, you know, we're going to see in Portland round one, it's the perfect matchup for him. He's going to be going against Carmelo and Hazonia and Gary Trent, whose fortune is smaller than him. And all, like, they literally don't have anyone to guard him. Zach no Collins. One. That's my whole thing. Like, what are you so, going to do? You're going to switch into mellow? Right. You can't. So he's going to, I think, look awesome in the Portland series. And people are like, oh, LeBron, here we go. And then the next series is, you know, he's they're playing the winner of OKC versus uh, Houston, which is another series that he could potentially look pretty good in, right? I, I think... Neither of those teams, but then we get to the Clippers and they just have dudes to throw at him and they've had pretty decent success against him. Like I, I think he's had his worst stats against them. So I think this will evolve as it goes along is my point. I am so fired up for LeBron right now. And off of what we just talked about with Giannis, there's, I mean, it sounds like a horrible, horrible television show where you go LeBron underrated, but think of his draft class. And how many of those guys are on their third, you know, condo association? And this guy right. is doing what he's doing. And it's still a pretty good bet. And then remember, like, I'll never, like, where we were at with the Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis in March before the season stopped. I remember being, like, in a hotel and we're going back and forth. And we're just like, why are we going to bet against these guys? Like, why would yeah. we? And now I've obviously pivoted to the Clippers again because I can't help myself. But, I can't wait to see what this LeBron thing is because there is a, despite all the attention, I, I think you would agree that there's part of it where you go, I don't know that we appreciate it enough 
that he's in this season since that draft class and he's doing what he's doing and he feels like a pretty good bet to do it again. The Lakers are, I think, a little bit worse than they were in March for a couple of different reasons. Yeah. One is they've That's lost right. a couple guys. I was thinking about, though, this is something we've talked about in the past, that LeBron, one of the best things about his career is that over and over again, right when you start to get content, you're happy with where you are and who, you know, it's going to start to ebb a little bit. There was always that next carrot that came at him that got dangled in front of him that he had to like prove himself again. And that, I think that was really the difference between his career and, and MJ's career over anything else was that there was always the next competitor for LeBron. There was always somebody that he had to go through. There was always the next thing. And you think about these playoffs, even Portland, I guarantee he's been reading all the Dame stuff and people comparing Dame to Kobe and, oh my God, Dame, oh, they might beat. LeBron's like, he's putting all that stuff in his crazy basketball brains. Like, all right, oh, you think I'm going to lose to fucking Mario Hazonia and Carmelo? Just wait. <laughs> Next round, you know, you figure Houston, Houston OKC, Houston's favorite. Let's say Houston makes it. Now he's got the head to head against Harden, who he's never been in a playoff series against. People are like, Harden, is he the, is he the best offensive player we've ever had? All that stuff. So now he's got that carrot. And then the round after is the Clippers. He doesn't need motivation for that. And then the last round is probably my uh, Milwaukee, where it's like, well, Giannis is the two-time MVP. He's the best player in the league. So each round, he's got the carrot. And I, I think that's important for him. Okay, true or false, this player was in LeBron's draft class. Chris the Caveman Kamen. That's true. He was sixth. Uh, you're good at this. You should have a podcast. Um, well, because the the allegedly Miami almost took him five, and uh, and imagine. took Wade instead. Yeah, there was a whole there's a there's a faction of the Clippers who feel like they almost got Wade. Um, Sweetney went ninth, by the way, just to let you know. That's look, LeBron's in this draft class, and you go through it, and you're like Jarvis Hayes. Th these guys felt like they've, they've been retired for a decade. And well, how know, about Carmelo? Just, They're talking about him like he's old man Mello. Same draft class. Your neighborhood theory on Melo uh, is incredible. And I didn't realize this, but Melo and LeBron have never played against each other in a playoff series. And so that made the rounds. But you've always had this really good point. I have another thing that I'm going to compliment you on later. I don't want to back them up. I don't want to go back to back because I don't want people to get upset about it that I'm complimenting you. But um, his neighbor, your neighborhood theory where LeBron, like Melo doesn't look at him and go, Oh my God, it's LeBron James. Like he's thinking, I worked you in high school. The problem for Portland, if Melo starts going, I got this. <laughs> Five minutes left. Hold on, mismatch. LeBron's guarding me. I'm going to post him up. <laughs> uh, there's a world in which they get killed in that series. Next I, guy, I, number that's where I'm going. Yeah. Number three on my uh, on my list is Kawhi Leonard. You know, it's I think it's set up for them and. If my life depended on it, that's the team I'd pick to win the title. There's a world in which he goes through Luca in round one, whoever wins Denver, Utah, uh, Lakers in round three, and then Giannis in round four, and they win back-to-back -back titles. And now we're just like, holy shit, Kawhi Leonard. Look at this. Three, three finals MVPs on three teams, beat LeBron, uh, in two different series like that, you know, I don't need to run through all the beats for you, but are, wait a minute. Is, are they your guys now? Or did we pivot off the Lakers thing from March to now you're picking the Clippers? I don't feel good about it. I didn't bet it. 
I think gun to my head, I would take the Clippers. Um, I'm actually a little worried about them in this round one, though. And I know they've owned the Mavericks all year. And it's a terrible, terrible matchup for Dallas for a variety of reasons. I just don't think the Clippers are the Clippers yet. I think it's going to take two, three weeks. Like Harold's barely played, um, like even scrimmage, much less played in games. Lou Williams just got dinged up. There's a world in which the Mavs just go into that series and we're like, we're shooting 45 threes a game. I went to a Clipper game before the pandemic. Um, I took my son and it was actually a, a sucky game. We left early. They played Sacramento. And Sacramento was like, we have no chance tonight. We're just shooting threes. And it was like, buddy, shoot. buddy took like 11 threes. And, you know, Fox took a bunch. And Bogdanovich took a bunch. And they made a lot of threes. And all of a sudden, the Clippers were down 20 points. I think that's what the Mavs are going to have to do because they're not going to be able to stop them defensively. But they just basically have to go math and be like, hey, man, we got to go like 20 for 43. Um, we got to go 22 for 45 and try to do that four times in seven days. Yeah. There's, there's part of me where I, I don't know. I, I get so annoyed with the three point shot where I look at what Dallas does. I mean, Luca passes up layups to kick it out. Harden does the same thing. And you go, wait, like you were wide open. Is this what we're doing? And it's, it's a lot like the hockey thing where you go, oh, well, you know, if uh, if Flurry gets hot, and you're like, why am I listening to you? And so the hot goalie thing, yeah, yeah, right. And you're you're like, you're on TV with a fucking suit, and you're telling me if the goalie gets hot, like I already had that. I had that before I turned the channel on. And so I, I don't like the default. Oh, if if if. But what I like about the Clippers, if if that's not working, they can fix. If Houston's not hitting threes, toast. If Milwaukee's not hitting threes, kind of toast. Uh, if if the Clippers aren't hitting threes, they'll do something else to you. And that's really important to me. And that's why I've, I've come Same back for the around. Lakers. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like the Anthony Davis LeBron thing. If I told you how many times I rewound that whenever they set up, then you would be like, this is why you're not married. And I go, cause I can't stop rewinding all the LeBron Anthony Davis stuff. So, you know, I like that. I, I'm, I'm into the, what else can you do if the hot goalie isn't happening? I think the threes thing, Dallas would be the most logical pick to be like, this is the only way we can win. We're going to actually shoot so many threes that it's going to be talking point on like PTI the next day. Like, oh my God, is this where basketball is going? These that teams- Lakers, or excuse me, that, that Rockets-Mavs game where I think the Rockets took 61 threes. Yeah, I but that's- I, I was kind of at home going, am I having fun? <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know. know? I don't, I I don't know if I like it either. And that's why I enjoyed, uh, that Saturday game when Nurkic and Valanciunas were kind of doing the, doing the one-on-one low post stuff. Valanciunas had like 12 in the first three minutes. Yeah. I was into it. I was like, this is great. Look look at these drop steps. Uh, all right. So Kawhi, we don't need to lay that anymore. How long is this top 25? Are we going to do this till like Tuesday or? Yeah. We're, we're on good pace right now. All right. Good. Number four, I have Dame. And he's way higher and he's going to lose in round one. But um, there is a world where he starts throwing haymakers in this series. And from like a superstar mystique standpoint, could actually go up another level. Like if he does what he did the last eight games against LeBron and the Lakers, and they're up 2-1 in this series, and he has like 62 and 58 in the two wins, it's not inconceivable. Um, 
I also don't think he'd be afraid. And I got to say, I just loved, I loved all the teammates. Like the, the stuff Mello said about him yesterday was unbelievable. He's like the best player I've ever played with. He's the best teammate I've ever had. He genuinely cares about all of us. He won't let us lose. Like I'm really invested in this. Like as a non-Celtic subplot, I've enjoyed this about as much as I've enjoyed anything in a while. So I, I kind of don't want him to go away. I re I've really enjoyed watching him cook. Does he have the highest Q rating of any NBA player right now? But yeah. he, he fits the Rosillo thing though, where the, uh, some of the other players seem testy with him. Take shit. You like that. You like when the, when the guy is weirdly I like underrated when you're good. by his peers. Yeah. I like when you're good and you talk shit. I don't like when you're not, um, He's almost become, I mean, I hate this overrated, underrated thing, but he's, it's almost like he's so underrated that you go, actually, no, he's, he's kind of where he is. And the weird Dame thing I was thinking about when I was watching the Memphis game yesterday, where I go, is he, is he actually benefited from not having big time playoff failures? This is my high, it's the Ohio state theory where Ohio state gets smoked by Florida and LSU and back-to-back -back national championship games. And then all of a sudden Ohio state gets dumped on. And if you're a Buckeyes fan, which there are many, um, vociferous ones, they're like, Hey, so what are we supposed to do? Lose the big 10 and go eight and five and have everybody like, like us, we go under the radar. You know, that's the part where you're Ohio state. And you're like, we win the conference. We play the national championship. We lost back-to-back -back games. Dame has avoided all of that. So he doesn't have, I mean, hell, Russ and KD have dodged the massive 2016 Golden State bullet. They never, ever have to answer to that. And yet the Golden State 3-1 thing is a forever deal, right? And so Dame hasn't, and this is all as a very pro-Dame guy, but Dame hasn't, even if they go to the Western Conference Final, like, look, we get what happened last year. It was actually, a like, they got smoked. But he's avoided that where we kind of turn on these guys. We turn on celebrities and we turn on NBA players and he's avoided that for this much of his career. Well, he lost to the Warriors, I think three times out of like the last, last year wasn't seven. even close. Like they didn't. Yeah, but they he, had, he had no Nurkic. He had no Nurkic and no Collins and their swing guys were even worse last year than they are this year. At least this year they have Trent and uh zombie mellow. Last year it was, uh, it w it was way worse. So I don't know. I, I, Who's the best players ever played with? Aldridge, you would say, earlier in his career. Second best guy he's ever played with is McCollum. Third best guy he's ever played with is Nurkic. I'm not, look, this is not an anti-Dame thing. No, I'm, I'm just telling you the I rules. Know the rules are the rules. And the rules are, if he were to lose, like for the shit that Harden puts up with, which I am more than happy to remind everybody of all the time, Dame avoids that. And well, this Harden's next to my list. He's number five. If Westbrook's okay. out here for a week, this becomes the James Harden, I got to do this by myself show. And hey, th this matchup's weird, right? Because Schroeder's, Schroeder's going to play, but he's not 100%. I don't really have any idea who guards Harden. Who do you think Who do you think guards Harden for OKC? Is it Dort? Oh, well, you, Dort. You got your guy Dort, Dort? Some of the stuff Dort did against LeBron. <laughs> Dort, like, we look, like Dort. I don't care about foot speed. I care about what's inside of you. Yeah. And if you decide, I mean, LeBron's one thing, but Harden, Harden's so, I would actually, I would, if I played in the NBA, I would start a Harden hashtag where it'd be like, we can't, I'm trying to think what the proper hashtag would be like. I have, I, it would be, it would be this. It'd be, I have no choice because all you can do is drive by contest. You can't go at him because he kicks his legs out the whole thing. All right. So I'm not going to do this. But Dort, 
Dort is not afraid of anybody. And I would imagine he's the deal on top of a few minutes that you try to escape, you know, by with with a collection of other small forwards that probably none of us like. Adams can't really play in this series, doesn't seem like. It's a bad matchup for him. Um the the wild card guy is SGA, who did not make my top twenty five, but Item if six. We're, if we're just doing the there, if we're <laughs> shut up, if we're doing a there's a world in which dot dot dot, there's a world in which SGA is awesome in this series, and you know if we try to think like, all right, who are your nominees for? We're coming out of the first round, and it's a big circle jerk out of some new name. SGA is one of the candidates. He's one of the nominees. Where it's like, oh my god, this guy, wow, they got him plus all those picks. I mean, the the hardcore basketball people know he's good, but there's this whole other universe of people like, whoa, this guy. And I think he's one of the possibilities. Um, so anyway, with Harden, you, you know, think they're they going to win do- that series, by the way? Are you picking them? It's, it's the closest in betting odds. Yeah. I, uh, I think the Westbrook thing really threw me off. Cause I was actually going to take Houston because I felt like OKC was the sexy sleeper underdog pick that everybody was on. And meanwhile, I, I do think there's some you know, if with Schroeder not being a hundred percent, I think that three guard thing, which would have been really great for them in this series, who knows? But um, the Westbrook thing, I don't know, because hey, sometimes people get these injuries. And they're like, yeah, it could be a couple of days, and then the guy misses the whole first round, and you got Austin Rivers out there for forty minutes a game. So I almost feel like it's like a no pick. I uh, I'm gonna admit right now, I'm I, there's there's no series I'm more emotionally attached to than that series. Rooting for OKC. <laughs> Yeah, between my Chris Paul love and my anti-Houston yeah. thing, which we've been over. And I just told Houston, I go, look, you know, it's not my fault that I told you Chris Paul was going to be traded, and he was. It's not my fault that I told you that your coach doesn't get along with your ride receiver, your quarterback, which he doesn't. It's not my fault that I've, I've, I've told you all these things, and uh, the city has not dealt with it well over the years. And I'm just, like, I did a podcast where I think it's one of the least professional things I've ever done where I go, I know you guys think people are biased. I am telling you, I am rooting against your team every fucking night. (laughs) Well, we were saying we didn't know how sustainable it was for them to play small like they're playing and put the kind of onus that they're putting on their dudes to chase, to rebound, to block, to protect the rim. They're really asking for superhuman efforts. And there were a couple games in the bubble that they just didn't need when they couldn't be in fifth gear where man, they look bad because when those guys aren't in fifth gear, it's, it's like, this is not sustainable. So, you know, the fact that Westbrook got hurt, like I'm not surprised somebody got hurt. Right. No, the, the, the being hurt thing is fine, but I, I definitely, I don't know if it's a pivot because when, when it first happened, right. The beginning of February, no Capella were like, wait a minute, is this about a real basketball thing? Because their per one hundreds were off the charts. And yeah. the people that I would talk to with other teams would say, oh, no, no, this is amazing. Like, he's actually doing, Daryl's doing the thing that we've always wanted to do, but nobody wants to do it. And I would worry about some of their switches, but I, I'm, I, look, I don't, I don't even think I'm right yet on this, but I just don't think switches are as big of a deal as we make them out to be. How many times have we seen the guy, the small guy, switch where the five is on him from 30 feet out, and then he takes a fucking three? And you go, what was the point of this? LeBron used to do it all the time in Miami, which I never quite understood. And it's like at least drive and force a decision. Like basketball is make the defender make a decision. And when you step back from 30 feet, you're not really asking anybody to do anything. And so Houston gets bailed out on that. The other thing with the big guy, which 
again, like this is repetitive, but it's important because that was what we thought their downfall would be is the switches. And everybody seeks out Daniel House from the tip. Hey, let's go at House. You know, let's figure out our matchup. But it's more of the rebounding. And they are the worst rebounding team in the NBA that's in the playoffs. And we saw that against the Pacers. Hell, the announcers thought that game was over and they were down 14. And they came all the way back to two and had a shot. And then guess what happens? They, one of the worst rebounding teams in the league in the Pacers, at least offensive rebounding, they couldn't box them out and they couldn't get it. So it's not it's not small versus big. It's not switches. It's rebounding. And it's a really tough thing to do when you can't rebound to win a championship. Well, I wonder if if there's if OKC can figure out a way to play Adams successfully for 25 minutes a game. I don't think so. It might be a night-to-night deal, right? Maybe. I mean, are you with me on that though? Like there's certain nights where you go, hey, look at this guy. He's crushing them. And they're they're actively seeking out this thing and depend on the energy. Yeah. yeah, right. They're they're setting up his screen lower so that he's an easier role and all this shit. And Paula will figure all that stuff out. And maybe it plays itself out in a series. And then I think there's nights, like you said, where it's gonna look like, hey, you gotta get him out of there. You can't put him on the floor. Well, it's funny that you have Chris Paul against James Harden, two guys that you wouldn't say there's a shitload of playoff heroics between them. Um, kind of staring at each other. Push you have all the OKC, Houston, the Westbrook, Paul. Like, there's this is memes, the best series by far. Ready. No, I have They're, memes ready. They're ready. This is the go. best series by far. We got our guy Dort in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of good stuff. I'm getting Ben a Dort jersey. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break. Come back in a second. Let's take a break to talk about Roman. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs. Getting started can be overwhelming. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized prescription skincare that really performs. Grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. That's it. If appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment Based on your skin type and priorities, you'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor. If you need to make a change to your treatment or have any questions, the doctor is there. With Roman, there are no commitments. You can cancel anytime. So here's what you do. Go to GetRoman.com slash Bill, and you can try out a three-month supply of Nightwood Defense for just $5. Roman's doing great stuff, by the way. Congrats to those guys. It's free to chat with the doctor. Your first order is just $5. Again, getroman.com slash bill. Eligibility requirements and additional terms do apply. All right, top five most intriguing. Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, Dame, Harden. Number six, I got your guy, Jimmy Buckets. Here's why. I really like this Miami team. I really, I, I was so impressed by them as the season went along. They maintained it. In the bubble, I think they're really, really hard to play. They're the team I'm the most afraid of other than Milwaukee for my Celtics. I hate the fact that they have so much shooting. I don't know what happened to Duncan Robinson, who we're going to get to in a little bit, but Duncan Robinson has turned into uh, just a fucking dead eye. And they have all this different malleability with their lineups. But ultimately, you know, it's it, they, you, get, you need the straw that stirs the drink. Butler in that Philly series last year was kind of the guy for Philly. You know, he was kind of the emotional center of it. So we know he can do it in a playoff series and he's done it before in other playoffs. I think this team is built to compete as a dark horse for the title. And the Clippers heat, this is the only bet I liked that I might've put a tiny bit on, but Clippers heat for the finals was 40 to one as a finals matchup. 
And I was like, that's too high. I, I think there's a world in which the Heat could absolutely make the finals. And I'm really impressed by them. I think they're really well coached. I think they know who they are. I think they can do a bunch of different things depending on the opponent. And, uh, and I think Butler, you know, I had him, I think, third team all NBA, but he's one of the best 15 players in the league. So um, we'll see. Thoughts on Butler? Uh, really good pick because he, a little bit like my Dame theory, has, has avoided some of the criticism because I just don't think he lives in that neighborhood with some of those other guys. And he's a level below. At, yeah, right. And, and I mean, he thinks he's in that group, which but that's is good. What, that's right. Good right. For this. It's a positive, right? But it's not, it's not if I'm picking a team to win an NBA championship. So as much as I love Bam, as much as I love Duncan, I love the confidence and the malleable word, which I'm a huge fan just of that word in general. It's perfect for them because other teams have depth and it's an issue sometimes with them. Depth is like a huge, huge part of where I like them, but you know, their second best player is Dragic. And and Butler's I would say not a, I would say it's Bam. All right, well, look, I mean, we Bam is different in a way where it's I'll, I'll even look, I'll give you Bam. Bam's their second best player and Jimmy's their first and Jimmy's not in the neighborhood of franchise altering players. So here's here's the case for them. Cuz they they finally just started playing smaller. They're 12th on defense. Well, they finally started playing a little smaller with Bam. The shooting and how good they are at shooting. And they they really are. Like there, there's some 2019 Toronto potential for them as an outside shooting team. And we saw it last year where it's like, wow, this doesn't make sense. Wow, they can't keep it up. And it just kind of they kept it up. Um, the Robinson thing is the big X factor for me, but we'll see with Butler. This is what he wanted. I think if you're just looking at career moves, him getting out of that Philly situation, starting a, a new team in Miami, basically. Him not realizing how good the rookie was going to be hero. Him realizing not realizing how good Robinson was going to be. Maybe he knew that Bam was going to be Bam, um, but certainly not to the level. It's just a good team. And, you know, that Iguodala-Crowder trade was great. I'm not a gigantic Jay Crowder fan, but he's a nine-man rotation guy. He certainly would be helping the Blazers. And I was impressed by Iggy in the bubble. I actually was expecting him to be like zombie Iggy, and he wasn't. I, I thought he was at least moving like he wasn't washed up yet, which I think as long as he's not washed up, that's a nice guy to have on your team. I don't know that I'm as bullish on Iggy as you are, but the Jay part, I, I probably like Jay Crowder too much for certain mm. seasons. And he then, had a nice Celtic year that year. Yeah, but that's what I liked about him. Although I really feel like if you're a tough guy, you don't let J.R. Smith do that to you. That's how I feel. Uh, that's my J.R. Smith rule. But he, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'm going to ask you because there's like I have, I have two lists of players. 145 left, down three corner. Do you think it goes in? And he's he's on the list of no. Yeah, I think he's a no. I, I yeah, mean, Jeff no. Green. Jeff Green is first team no. And. Hazonia, no, Hazonia is the <laughs> Will Chamberlain of this category. He's not out there. Hazonia is a permanent no. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, there's so yeah. many guys where I'll go, that's not going to go in. You know who's and the I, secret and I, no? I, I swear I'm right about this so much, by the way. You know who's the secret no? Hayward. Ooh, Minute left down that one. Sting? Did that sting I you say out loud? 
I don't think it's going in when, when it really matters. I don't think it's going in. I just don't prove me wrong. Gordon. I beg you. Uh, number seven. <laughs> I can't on the believe list. you admitted it. You just ruined his trade value. He's only got one year left. Oh, he's good. He's Sean Grandy. Our friend tweeted a stat about how 17 points a game and 50% field goal, 40% three, like only Larry legend had done it for the Celtics. There's some stat like that. Number seven on my list. Most intriguing. You haven't really uh, vehemently disagreed with anybody yet. I have Davis here. Glenn? Ro <laughs> Big baby. Um, Raja, well. and I talked a Raja and I talked a little bit on the uh, Thursday pod about if there's a matchup where Davis is clearly the advantage for the Lakers, would he assert himself in a real way? Like, let's say the Clippers, where they just can't guard him but there's two minutes left. They're down two. And LeBron's like, I got this. But meanwhile, the Clippers are like, thank God they're not going to Davis. What is that seesaw? And where does Davis assert himself? Because you think like against Portland, he should go nuts. I mean, he like really, especially if they can survive playing JaVale and Dwight 35 minutes a game, Davis is going to go nuts and he'll dominate that series. Then the next series, potentially they could play Houston. He's we've already seen what he does to Houston. So there, it should be a wake up call. You're right. It should be a like I would be swearing at him every day. He would hate me by the end of this playoff. Run. Yeah, you should have 40 going, points a game. Right. Yeah. I'd be like, you have to hurt people's feelings. You have to have parents not say their kid is on the Rockets. Like you, you have to humiliate these people. And if you don't have that and that's the part. And I think that's what Raja was kind of hinting at, which I'll ask you to expand on. But as much as I love that guy. The fourth quarter stump numbers against the Clippers, is it a real thing? Is it, is it a weird number? Because the numbers are pretty bad. But are you willing to accept that maybe there's just a, a gear that he doesn't have? And I hate even saying that because I'm not even sure I admit it yet. Raja wondered about it on Thursday. I don't, I don't, I don't think say? that's a hot... Said the same thing. Does he have that extra piece that we would want from him? Does that, I, is there that killer side of him? Does he have it? He could be higher on this list. Yeah, he could. Uh, number eight, I have Tatum. So Tatum, second half of the bubble, just looked fantastic. Philly's an awesome matchup for him. They used to guard him with Simmons, and Simmons is great defensively. Now he's not there. It looks like, I was wondering if they're going to do this, and then there was a story today, and I got bummed out because Brett Brown was like, we might start Thibault in game one. I was like, fuck. Because... Eventually, Thibault will be starting one of these games because he's their best chance of, of slowing down Tatum. Where I was is, hoping where Brett Brown wouldn't figure this out. Where's Thibault on the jersey order list for you? I have him. Uh, I have a honorable mention on this list. But uh, Tatum should be able to rip this Sixers team apart if he's doing his thing. If he's driving the basket, doing the pull. Like if if he's got that in and out thing going. If he's just doing the, I'm going to take twenty foot followaways and quick threes and the stuff that my dad starts texting me in the second quarter. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? <laughs> then Philly has a chance, but he should be the best player in this series. Um, unless Embiid just has this throwback crazy Embiid thing. And Embiid is uh number nine on my list. Yeah. Fair. Uh, Tatum to me is, is held to a different standard because if he's going to play like Tatum from pre COVID shutdown, you know, look, I, I didn't like the Celtics last year. I felt like people were a little too bullish on them, considering we haven't really seen them 
uh, the the Embiid thing scares the hell out of me because when you see it in person and Tice is trying to deal with it, it's it's horrifying. Like I, I still think Philly has a chance with Embiid. Yeah, and in a weird the, way. Did you see the Vegas line for it? Yeah, it's not like the Celtics are like minus four fifty. It seems way too high because there is a world in which Embiid goes, "I'm going to dominate these guys for two weeks," and the Celtics are in trouble if he decides that. I, I think people are just kind of down on, on him hitting that. He's he's been so up and down. Even to, even you watch a game, he's a different guy one half to the next half. I talked to a team that uh, that played against him in the bubble, and I I was like. What, what what do you guys do here? And they're like, oh, he doesn't give a shit. Like we knew we knew he didn't give a shit, so this is what we did, and it's exactly what happened. Like he didn't care, and he has really bad habits um, defensively, and he's been a little bit better not doing this. Why anybody ever goes for his up fake from thirty feet out is is mind blowing. But um, I I have thought of what happens if some version of him is unlocked. Where they there's no weird substitution patterns. It's no weird trying to figure it out because really the Sixers are about what does your closing four minutes look like? What do they look like? And, and who's that? Yeah, and who's right. out there? Yeah, and it's like, hey, Ben's a power forward, except when it matters. Hey, Ben's doing this. Oh, okay. Well, Horford. So now you have a Horford situation where it's probably better because Embiid, you know, isn't going to have to deal. And at this point, like I just I I want to see the Embiid that is mad at everybody for doubting him because I do believe it exists. It just doesn't happen that much. And so even with Boston where I'm like, ah, I don't know, man, like the big, that Steven Adams scrimmage still scares the shit out of me. But then I start thinking about Boston against Toronto and I can start talking myself. I knew it a little bit. So that's where, you know, all the, all the Tatum stuff where you go, which version are we getting? Cause if we get the guy that we saw before the, the season shut down or, or was interrupted, then we're talking about a completely different team. And that's, I mean, this isn't hard. It's, it's my whole Miami thing. Like who, who are the five best guys? Because one of those guys is probably going to carry his team to this whole deal and talking yourself into a, a team that doesn't have one of those guys is probably stupid. With the Embiid thing, if he decides to show up, every team would be in trouble, not just the Celtics. The it, it, do you love him? Like I, I love him when he's right. I just, just having been in the building a couple of times when he had it going for a quarter or half and he's just dominating and you're just praying that he just gets tired or he gets a foul or, you know, it's the same feeling he used to get with no Shaq one passes 20 to years him. ago. Yeah, please. Yeah, please. Or take, take some 25 footers, Joel. That's yeah. open. You should take it's that. It's a win. Please, it, every time it. he, every time he pulls up, I'm like, good. And I know that I, I looked like post touches and it was like, oh no, Embiid, Embiid leads the league in post touches. I don't, I don't know what it is as of today. I, I would imagine he's probably top five. I'll look. I'll get it on it. And so there'll be like this pushback. It was like, no, you guys are idiots. Like Embiid posts up all the time. You go. You realize ten years ago, Al Jefferson had twice as many post touches as Joel Embiid has today. That's that's wrong. If I you you can only pick one of these two options. Joel Embiid is awesome in this series and reaches all the potential for at least two weeks that we've always wanted for him or the Sixers um, completely roll over in this series and Brett Brown is quietly fired a day later because they lost in four or five and they clearly uh, quit on him, which is more realistic to you. Uh, I have a hard time buying into teams that have given me like 70 games of evidence that they're not figuring it out. So I, I, I think that's, that's far more realistic 
I remember though, it's a fan part of it. I remember when the, when the Yankees lost to the Diamondbacks, I was actually bummed out because I was like, oh, now Steinbrenner is just going to go crazy. And like, I actually wanted the, the Yankees to win that World Series as much as I hated them because I was so worried about what Steinbrenner would do. And it's not the same thing with the Sixers, but it's it'd be weird. I think if you're a Sixers fan, there's probably part of you where you hope it flames out because I just don't think the Brett Brown thing has worked. And that's okay. Like, it's all right. You know, after three or four years, you get your shot at it. A year ago, everybody thought he was out. And, uh, you know, after a while, guys just tune you out. It's, it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a question of your manhood or any of that kind of stuff. It's just time to move on. One thing with Philly and why Simmons was such a weird X factor against the Celtics because he just loved going against Tatum. The, t- the guys that give the Celtics the most trouble are you know, the Donovan Mitchell, um, those Dame Lillard, all those, the little guys who can score, create shots, move off screens. That's really where the Celtics are vulnerable because they basically have Kemba and Wanamaker and whoever. They can't defend those guys. They haven't been able to defend those guys for a couple of years. Philly just doesn't have anybody like that. And they have a lot of size, but the Celts have shown over and over again, they like to, they like to play teams with size because you know, uh, offensively, they can kind of do whatever they want. And then defensively, they can patch stuff together. So Wait I think so without you, Simmons is a good matchup. You are, Again, this is all off of uh, no Simmons, and I probably feel a little differently about it. But you really think post, you think the Celtics like playing big teams? Because I think that's their downfall. No, I'm talking teams, like awkward teams like this team. Like the, and they're going to play Embiid, Horford, and Harris, probably as a front line in crunch time. And I think the Celtics will match up with that because they'll just have, they'll have Tatum and Jalen and they'll just, they'll run, they'll move the ball and they're not going to be able to get burned on the low block by any of those guys. Is Horford going to be posting up Jalen Brown? Like it's not happening. Well, he doesn't post up anybody anyway. He doesn't post uh, up anybody. And then, (laughs) and then Harris is the inferior version of Jalen and Tatum. So I, it it goes back to Embiid's got to kick ass. I'm going to save it for later when you get... Do you have a Toronto player in this top 25? So I'll save it I for do. a little bit later. All right, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done on this. Number 10, Luca. We don't, we talked about him a bunch last week. We don't have to talk about him. I mean, it would be legendary if he just beat this Clippers team by himself. And, uh, you know, the fact that there's... It's, the, it's not really the Clippers yet. They're not running at full capacity. And who knows? Like, maybe... They're playing tomorrow night. Maybe he could put up 48 in game one. Oh, look at the clip. You know, there's, I wouldn't put this way. I wouldn't be like completely flabbergasted if the Mavs were like two, two after four games, something like that. But, um, I just find it hard to believe they could beat them four times out of seven without. Well, they swept them. The Clippers swept them. But it wasn't even a sweep though. I mean, they, they like demolished them. Two questions for Luca. Is he an only child? Where does he buy his jeans? Word. <laughs> Paul George uh is my number eleven. Playoff P. You uh you litigated that one last week. Yeah. Like if they win the first round, he's like, wait, there's another round? We gotta play somebody else? After he did this? make two Eastern finals and then he did. He did. It's not fair. I, as I say that out loud, I know I'm not being fair. He's a terrific player. I uh no, whatever, man. I mean, look. If the Clippers win this whole thing, it'll turn into a oh, you know, you know, you guys are doubt of Paul George. <laughs> like, well, 
you know, they have a really. coach, a pretty good roster. And I voted, wise, him, I voted for team. him for MVP like two years ago. I voted for him like third. First? Oh, you know, like oh, I think I had him like third or fourth on In my 14, list. 14 pre leg thing? I no, think this he, was what one of those OKC years, maybe even last year. The OKC year, he started was off. Was it last year? It was and last he year. Was, it was last year. And after like a weird start where I just was like, I'm done with this guy, then I have this odd habit of as soon as I count you out, then you have like the best run of your life <laughs> where you're like, wait a minute, what? She's dating who? And um, George, after like a weird bumpy start, had an incredible, incredible run. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, he's, he's kind of. He's well, the most I'll talented Jeff, he, look, he's the most talented Jeff Green I've ever seen. Oh, that's insulting. Is I'll it? tell you this. Round one is the perfect matchup for him. Perfect. Who's guarding Paul George on Dallas? Nobody. I mean, they've, they've, def, they've definitely run some guys out there. Michael Kidd. I mean, they've, they've tried some things, I think. It's going to be bad. Is, Rick has is, is sampled some things where I wonder if that's what he's doing, but I don't know. Uh, it's uh, they can't defend anybody, man. I mean, look, Luca, it's great. Prasinga's thing when it's right, it's awesome. They're five out. They're Houston with big guys. They can't defend anybody. Houston's a much better defensive team than they are. I got Mitchell at thirteenth. I moved him up because of this weird Mike Conley. Nobody has any idea how long he's going to be out of the bubble. But his wife had a kid. He left, and now you have no Bogdanovich and you have no Mike Conley. So you basically have Mitchell and Joe Ingles deciding everything offensively for Utah. Uh, before the Mike Conley, before he left, I was actually thinking Utah was undervalued in this series. Denver, I think, was uh, a two-to-one favorite before the Conley thing. Now they're higher. And uh, I just feel like this is an either team could win. But now without Conley, um, from a depth standpoint, you would just have to have this incredible Mitchell game. And he has it in him. I mean, he had a, a bubble game like a week ago where it's, you know, when he's feeling it, the, are you talking the overtime, the double overtime game? Yeah, that was that was awesome Donovan, in that game. where you're like, wait, yeah, is, is he a top ten? Like, I I just like doing that where I'm at home and I go, hey, is he a top ten player? Like, am I wrong for even saying that? But so then, on a given you know, night, he looks yeah, like one. Yeah, yeah, but then then I think we always kind of check it with, okay, well, but what are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm just I don't know. I mean, look, I'm gonna. Well, get he over would have to. to for them to beat Denver, I think he would have to basically do what he did to OKC a couple of years ago in a better version of it. 14, I have Kemba. And the, the positivity from the Celtics camp about Kemba is uh, much appreciated. I don't trust it. I <laughs> still have not. Hey, hey, has it been better, though, than we thought when we were doing this Kemba topic a couple of weeks ago? A little bit better. I'll be yeah. interested to see how it goes when they're asking him for 32 minutes a night every other day for five straight weeks. I'm going to be a little more nervous about that. But, um, you know, if he if he can get back to very close to where he was in October, November, December, that's you got to increase the ceiling of the Celtics team. That's it. What do, you, what do you actually... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Brad Wanamaker is 25th here, but what do you actually think is possible with the Celtics? Go ahead. The floor is yours. I think they're two guys short. Two guys? I think it's a, think it's a seven-man team. And one of those seven is Cantor. Yeah, well, then, so then it's six. Because Cantor's unplayable in certain games. Right. I think they could play him against Philly. I like them against Toronto. Now, Siakam's missed two of the four games. 
And maybe I'm doing way too much recency bias, which I wish people on this podcast appreciated how aware I am of my own flaws as a human. But I like them against Toronto. I like that they can put a big guy in Lowry and Kemba. You know, Van Vliet has been a terrific story, but they they can do some things defensively where I'm probably, if if it ends up Toronto and Boston, I think I'm going to pick Boston, which sounds crazy because I have much respect I have for Toronto, but I like them against them. And maybe I'm putting way too much on something I saw last week. I want to see what Kemba looks like over these next two weeks. But I think from uh, making the final standpoint, I think it'd be really hard to do it unless Kemba was 85, 90%. And unless there's some bench dude has got to show up they over and over again, they're putting these second units in there and you're just looking at the, at the guys that are out there like, Oh my God. Now they could, they could get around that by, I think reconfiguring Hayward's minutes. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know why they trust Wanamaker to the degree they trust him. And I know there's a couple positive advanced metric stats. I just know how he makes me feel. I don't trust him in a playoff series. I'm just, I, if he, if he's playing 20 to 25 minutes off the bench for you in the Eastern conference finals, like I feel like that's a negative. That's not great. Cantor, as you said, can only play against certain teams, certain matchups. So now you're really down to six guys. You're six and a half with Cantor. If it were a Houston Rockets Celtics NBA finals, I think Brad would tell Canner, oh no, the games, the games are in two weeks. Like he or would lie to in, him. Yeah, about, put him in street clothes, something like that. Uh, can I Mark, ask you about Wanamaker though? Real real quick. Yeah. Wanamaker is a is the absolute there's there's better versions. Hassan Whiteside's actually the best example of this. But as soon as an announcer says something about Hassan Whiteside, I go, Oh, okay. You don't put any effort in to prepping for this game at all or you've never watched this guy or you don't when it's weird to say hey you don't know how to watch Wanamaker is a little white side-ish for me where when the announcers start telling me how great Wanamaker's been I am with you I'm like eh, I don't know I'd love to see those 20 minutes somewhere else and I, and I think that position is so deep and he's an incredible story good for Brad Wanamaker but I think that position is so deep that if you're the Celtics you should find a better 20 minutes I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Every year, you these teams find Trey Burke, Cameron Payne, these guys that bounce around and they could just Cameron these, Payne, Cameron How Payne, yeah. these guys that can give you like the fifteen to twenty minutes out of nowhere that were like in the G League or playing in Spain or something. John Lucas, I would just never draft those guys after like pick twenty. I would never draft a point guard, and the Celtics seem to do this over and over again. Like they did it, they they took, um, they they took Carson Gabe Edwards. Carson Edwards and Waters. It's like, why, why do we keep taking five, 10 guys? Roll the dice with like, try to figure out who this year's Gary Trent Jr. is. Gary Trent Jr. with 37th. Anyway. I would have a rule. No, I I'm with you on that. I would have, I would a never rule take where, a point guard after top five. Well, it, it may be a point guard, but I wouldn't take one sub six feet because it's a different deal. And I've, I've said it a million times, but some teams have like a no short point guard rule because they're like in the playoffs it clogs everything up. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about two point guards in a row. That's right after this. Let's take a break to talk about the Home Depot where decorating your home is now easier than ever before. Start by heading to homedepot.com. Shop for everything, for every room, browse thousands of furniture pieces and accents to fit any style. Explore bedding, bath linens, kitchenware, small appliances, all at the right prices. 
whether you're going for a brand new look, a seasonal refresh, or simply a few finishing touches, guess who has all the pieces you need? The Home Depot. Best part, shop today. You'll get free and flexible delivery with easy returns. And for a limited time, you can save even more on the styles you love when you use code BillSimmons10, BillSimmons10 at checkout. I bought something from Home Depot a couple weeks ago, bought a new fancy Keurig machine. Uh, it got sent to me immediately. I got constant updates that it was coming, showed up right when they told me it was coming. It was great. Here's some great news. The Home Depot offers free delivery on select items, $45 or more, free delivery. And now for a limited time, you get 10% off the styles you love when you use code BillSimmons10 at checkout. Valid on select items online only. BillSimmons10. Find exactly what you're looking for and more at homedepot.com slash decor. All right. I have Kemba. I had Kemba 14. I have SGA 15 and CP3 16. Put them together. I love how much they love each other. I've really enjoyed watching them all year. I think it's a professional basketball team. And SGA, as we discussed earlier, is the ceiling for them if good things can happen. If not only can they beat Houston, but even get a little frisky in a Lakers series. It's SGA, second year guy. We've seen this happen before where somebody kind of, they get a taste and they make, they make a little mini leap as the things get along, they start putting together. And as I said earlier, I think he's one of the nominees for who's going to be kind of the quote unquote breakout star of round one or round two, whatever. And then the CP three thing, you know, only made one conference finals was basically cast aside. Nobody wanted to trade for him. We were talking about this on this podcast. Remember? We're like, wow, well, the nobody contract. wants CP three. Nobody yeah, that, even that was at really 40 weird. million. Everybody was kind of like, oh no, he's gone. He's gone. And you know, I had, I had shared with people where I go, I think the only team he, <laughs> Like there's a Miami thing. I think he wants to go to Milwaukee, but when you're absorbing 40 million, even if you love Chris, which you should, because I think he can play with anybody. I, there's nobody I want to. I'm telling you right now, top of the list. Who do you, ring rankings? Who do you want to win a title? Chris Paul is number one for me. Really? I want people? I, oh, I want people to appreciate. Dude, man, stats stats have fucked up so much stuff now, man. And it, it I, I shouldn't be this emotional about it, but. Like we talk ourselves into some of these guys, you're like, do you not understand winning moments? Do you not understand the things where like all these little things matter? And yes, Chris is annoying. And yes, the playoff resume sucks. I just want people to appreciate the things that he does. Like it's not a mistake that that Oklahoma City is way better than people thought. It's not a mistake. It's because of that dude. And I want him to win a ring so bad so that everybody can do the, well, you know, you know, I, you know, I always liked him or whatever. And all these people that dump on Chris Paul, just to have, I want them to have to admit how great of a basketball player is. And, and I, I'm worried that his career is going to end where you're like, that guy never got out of the second round. Like what the hell was his problem? Cause normally well, I, would, I would hold that against every other player, but with him, I won't. If they can get by Houston, they would play the Lakers in round two. And I kind of like the matchup for them. I'm not saying they would beat them. No, but no. It was, it was I a, think good it's matchup. a good matchup. No, Paul, Paul was like, all right, Kuz. All right. Hey, by the way, Bill Kuzma, he a problem. Um, I just think that meme is like, there should be a mandatory level of production where you're allowed to be called a problem or he's different. I'm like, eh, can you if get Kuzma was on the Orlando magic, there would be no Kuzma conversations. Zero, zero. He'd be Fournier with better hair, but, uh, he, look, there's Chris Paul was like, come here, come get some of this. And he smoked him. 
if Schroeder can get healthy in time for that round two, and then they have the Dort, who knows what we can get from Roberson. The Dort. You got a little Adams to throw to throw against whoever. <laughs> Davis is a problem, but who, who isn't Davis a problem for? I mean, honestly, how many teams are like, yeah, we can handle that Davis guy, like maybe three? Um, that'd be a really fun series. Plus, you'd have the whole Chris LeBron. Do they do the interview together? Do they do the thing where it's like, we're not, we're so close, but we're not talking for the yeah. next two, yeah. two weeks. This time it's personal. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the intro to the real world where you go, when people stop being nice, start acting real. Mm. Number Talk. 17. I have a Raptor. I'm going to say it's Siakam over Lowry. It's Nick Nurse, my favorite coach. Did you vote for him coach of the year? I, I sure as hell did. With, I wish with, I could do it twice. With bells on. I saw I some think, people that have votes and I was like, I may call them and say, don't vote for anybody other than Nick Nurse. As you know, I am the all-time Brad Stevens Kool-Aid drinker. Nick Nurse is the best coach in the league. I'm best constantly league. impressed. He maximizes the potential of every guy in their top nine. Offensively, they are the most interesting team. Every person who he's coached has gotten better. Van that. Van Vliet like, has turned into a real guy. He's all first team Shamit face. The, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, the, what he's gotten out of Gasol and Ibaka, who I feel like in other situations would be like on their way out of a nine man rotation. I was out. And I was on out teams, on Ibaka. Those guys are, and now yeah, I like him. And Gasol. Yeah. I just think, uh, all right, so you got him. Round one doesn't matter. They're going to win. But then round two, him versus Stevens. And if he can, you know, Stevens... It's a couple things uh -oh. with him, man. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to turn my mic off. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no more semi ojale No more. No more. Dude, dude. No more. No more. No more, Brad. Did you Wanamaker. watch semi in college in Texas? Did you, did you watch? Because I, I talked myself into a little semi. I had a semi. He can't him. shoot. As Jalen would say, open for a reason. Um, and the Wanamaker thing, it's like Wanamaker, you just have to pull him the moment, the first time he drives into Giannis full speed and whips the ball against the bottom of the backboard out of bounds. Like, take him out. That's it. Done. I think he's too Is this loyal your dad to some of these right guys. Now? He's going to kill my dad. I, like the, the Wanamaker thing is like, but it's more <laughs> frightening for my dad than COVID. Um, number 17, I'm sorry, number 18 for me is uh, Duncan Robinson. And I just want to say this about Duncan Robinson. White guy. He is a white guy. Yeah. I think the I think the white stretch three and a half-ish guy, there's a stereotype for those guys now. It's like, oh, they're just a shooter. If you actually watch Miami, like he initiates plays. Like they run pick and rolls with him. He does stuff. This guy is not like Kyle Corver. This is so he's turning into somebody who can actually initiate plays and get himself great shots. He's a 50% three-point shooter since the All-Star break. Um, I just think, I think he's kind of elite as a shooter now. And, you know, it's like, all right, remember when Peja Stajakovic won, uh, what was he, like third MVP in 2004? Yeah, I think he was third, right? Yeah, I think he was third. I'm not saying he could be as good as Peja Stajakovic someday, but I wouldn't be, like, shocked by it. Because he's not just a shooter. Like, he can actually, like, create stuff for himself. And I think he's really evolved and improved. And I, I think he's a huge X factor in these playoffs.
That's right, my so Duncan I'll Robinson pull- rant for you. Uh, by the way, Vladimir Guerrero that year won the MVP in, both, uh, in baseball. So I obviously... Were you looking at Peja? Yeah, Pedro I was looking at... Was, <laughs> was he third? Third or fourth? Garnett, Garnett won. And then as soon as I pulled it up, I was like, oh, this isn't right. And I just, then I clicked on it because I couldn't help myself. It was, it was Vlad, Sheffield, Manny was third, Ortiz was fourth. So they split the SEC vote. And then Tejada, who to this day, I've never seen anyone throw a baseball like Miguel Tejada in person. Like seeing it in person was the most amazing thing ever. But we don't know about Peja. Uh, no, back to Peja. Uh, well, really, it's third? Dun- you talk. Oh. I'm going to look it up. All right. Uh, Duncan is so much more than space the floor so you're absolutely right duncan robinson is uh it's not an acquired taste it's it's a oh okay i i love basketball and i because he does everything right i would imagine if there was an approval rating on players by coaches i would think duncan robinson would finish in the top five because every cut every movement none of it's wasted he he makes you guard the whole time and i think a lot of this league at times is guys being like "Eh, i don't want to deal with this and he's going to make you work the whole time. So I, I couldn't be a bigger Duncan Robinson fan. It's funny when you, it. when you take biases in, when you see these guys, like when he really first started playing well for them, and it's like, like, oh man, what a nice story. Yeah, yeah. They did, like he's going to be like Judd Bushler for them or somebody, like somebody who could make a couple threes. And then you keep watching the heat and it's like, man, I didn't realize he could do that. And then, like, Spolstra is calling plays for him. You're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, this guy's shifty, crafty. Uh, Peja was fourth. Your top five in 04 was KG, Duncan, Jermaine O'Neal, Peja Stokovic, Kobe Bryant. So there you go. But yeah, Robinson is basically a 50% three-point shooter and has turned into a guy for me. I don't, I don't know about you. It's shocking when he misses. He's wide him. open. He's him. shooting. It's like there's no fucking way he's going to miss. And he misses. You're like, oh, my God. Uh, number 20, I put Porter Jr. here just because he's kind of the ceiling guy for the Nuggets. If Who knows? It's the, fuck, it's the bubble. Nobody really cared about the seeds. I don't think he has any idea what he's doing on defense. Um, well, it doesn't. But I but don't care now. He's so good on offense now. Now I'm willing to You kind of have to keep him. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to you. keep him out there. Uh, and. I don't, there's not a lot of examples that we have over the last 30 years of, of somebody just kind of playing their way into such a pivotal role this late into the season when they really hadn't played at all before. You know, you think like Richard, even Richard Dumas with the Suns played like 40 games for them where he put up minutes. So, um, I think they need him because of the way he clicks with Jokic and the athleticism and just kind of the heat check factor of him. I don't trust anyone else offensively on that team. Well, you trust that. Jokic, right? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I accidentally that. omitted Jokic. I had Jokic 12. I forgot to mention him. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jokic. Uh, no. I had Jokic 12, in case you were wondering where Jokic was. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you, But just to clear this up, because I'm, I'm saving you here from the, uh, what is it, 702 or 720? I think it's 720. Um, Jokic, you trust Jokic, right? You trust Jokic in a playoff game? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't, especially after last year, right? Because after him, I don't even trust Jamal Murray. And it was they—they they were that a weird team, right? They're a weird team with you know who they had available. So it's not a criticism. It's just you know they're starting this playoff thing this week. Going who's who? What's the deal here? 
And Porter, when he is right, looks like one of the best scorers in the league. Like that's well, how that's how insane it is. And that's where you go, hey, in the playoffs, we need somebody who's like almost what what is he, six ten? And we can pull up off the dribble. Like I I I need those, I need those possessions because there's a lot of possessions with Denver where I I'm I feel that are a little predictable. I hate when teams don't know who they are heading into the playoffs. And that was my big hesitation with Denver. And that is why I really wanted to pick Utah to beat them. Cause I just felt like I was like, at least Utah knows who they are and what they're doing. I think Denver probably has more talent, but they're still trying to figure out on the fly, like who their best five guys are, um, who's healthy and all this stuff. But with Conley out, who knows that series to me, that series is a gambling stay away. Uh, five to go. I got poor Zingas at 21. I mean, he's in the bubble, had a couple of monster stat games. Athletically looks even a little more athletic than he was on the Knicks, right? He has moments athletically where you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like those those first moments where, and as everybody knows, I'm a huge Przingis guy because I, I feel some ownership to it where I watched him the year he pulled out of the draft. And I remember texting Chad Ford. I was like, what is the deal with this Przingis guy? Like, why isn't he in the top 30? This is insane. This guy's good. And yeah. we didn't know. And then he shows up to Knicks and he's balling. And then because it's the Knicks, you know, everybody's story kind of dictates like how we feel about all these guys. But this is what I like. And I'll, I'll reference the Seth Curry interview where I was like, you guys are kind of Houston, but you're big. Like you play five out. Luca initiates everything. And he's like, yeah, we move around a little bit more. And then he's like, honestly, Luca has these things where we cut off a of Luca. All that stuff that we were talking about a week ago, where um, I think Przingis has moments where you're like, this is the perfect player to play with him. Where I think we even brought up last week, we were wondering like, oh, is this bad because not enough is going through him? Like whatever Przingis ends up being, he's going to be a, his best version of himself is a tier two superstar. He's never going to be a tier one, and that's great. And I think it looks better with Przingis. Or my favorite, me, uh, Doncic. My favorite is when he's kind of trailing the play and it's like an unconstructed they're coming up and he's trailing the play like Brooke Lopez would, right? Like he's just kind of behind it. They're setting up half court, but then all of a sudden he's taking a 26 footer from the top of the arc. And it's, it seems like a pseudo set play by them. It's like a rope dope every time where it's like, yeah, we're going to wait for Porzingis. And then all of a sudden he's shooting from 26, but it feels like he makes that shot 50% of the time. And I look at, you know, with the Clippers, especially if Harold's not going to play, they're going to, or they're going to have to ease Harold in. They're going to have to play a lot of Zubats against Porzingis. I think that's great for Dallas. Yeah, the the Zubat like Zubats has been pretty good. So I know I think he has. They like him, just, and, right? But I, I want him I, out my, there if I'm Dallas. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I think that's kind of the point is that because he's been better, maybe he plays a little bit more. The transition thing is is really because because running in transition, you have to be really committed to want to still defend in transition. And that's why I don't like Portland because I saw some stuff against Memphis where I'm serious, like two specific plays in the second half where Whiteside stopped running as jaw was even with him, And then Whiteside stayed to, to follow Yon, uh, Jonas as the trailer. And you're like, how about you just stay with, with jaw? <laughs> Cause he's probably right. driving. And then there was another play as much as we love Lillard where Lillard was even with Ja on a drive and he turned like he 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 pointed at Whiteside this wasn't even Whiteside's fault where he's like you got him and Lillard stopped and you're like what are you guys doing so i 
I love the Porzingis observation because I think there's so many buckets in the course of a game that are waiting for you there if you on offense stay locked in, trail of play, and then everybody knows. Like I've seen that over the course of a season where, hey, they know this guy now is trailing the play. They're going to wait for him. Where other teams, you know, maybe in the beginning of the year, they don't they don't understand each other enough. But Dallas does a I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head, obviously. But um, when you're presenting, well, they have the you best have that statistical range. offense of all time, all time, all regular time. season. Yeah. Yeah. I the thing I like about Porzingis on that team, and you could go either way on it, whether he's the right number two you'd want for Luca. But all the shots that he gets are just great shots in that offense. Like he, it's rarely like the contested post up where he's off balance throwing the jump hook. It's all like 26 footer, nobody in front of him, or he's posting up five feet from the basket with somebody six inches shorter than him. I just like how, I like how they've figured out how to use him. And it, it seemed up in the air before number 22 for me, Kyle Lowry. So I was thinking about this with him. We we've had so many Lowry conversations. We don't need to keep talking about him, but He's at a weird point, like where Chauncey Billups was in 05, when the Pistons had won the title. And then in 05, they're, they're, uh, have a chance to beat the Spurs. Spurs are pretty banged up at that point. Duncan's, you know, playing on one leg. And there was this moment where it's like, man, if Billups is the best player in this game, his entire legacies, like he's going to probably make the hall of fame. Like, we'll be talking about him, like, for two straight years, this guy was the best player in the playoffs. Like, what do we do with that? Lowry is in a not dissimilar position this year where he has a really good team. I would say, you know, they have fourth or fifth best chance to win the title. Um, that team knows who they are. He's the most important guy, and he's the most important player they have. And if there's some world where they, where all of a sudden they're in the finals and they're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with whoever, and it's like, wow, Kyle Lowry. Where, what do we do? Like, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Is he? If they win two straight titles? <laughs> look at what the bar of the Hall of Fame is. When you started this, I was Spencer like, Haywood. Spencer Haywood like, made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but that should never be the argument. It shouldn't be. If I had a radio show listen, and I go, well, I'm not you saying know, I'm not he wins a Hall of Famer. Uh, I was going to be so positive about Lowry, and then you just... you. You punched me right in the face with Hall I of Fame. I didn't punch Lowry. you in the face. I'm just telling you how it's going to play out if they win the title again. You know what I? You know what I love about Toronto, among other things, is that, like, can you imagine when we were younger, going, oh, they they have this, you know, they have Lowry, but then they have this Van Vliet guy who ran everything in college, and you're like, well, those two guys can't play together. You know, that was kind of the rule, and it was it was pretty accepted up until a few years ago, where now. David Kahn tried to change it. David Kahn was like, I am, this is going to be amazing. You guys want to go like, small? Let's he's go like, small. Flynn Rubio, I've got news for you guys. This worked with Frazier Monroe. It's going to work now. <laughs> Can we make the logo smaller? Um, I, I just, the fact that he and Van Vliet are like interchangeable makes it really scary. So I, look, I don't, I'm not going to be negative Lowry. I was, I almost was uh, Hall of Fame. I'm glad seems, you fought it off. Yeah, Hall of Fame seems a little like I don't know about that. But again, everybody gets into the NBA Hall of Fame. You're going to be in it one day, and I can't wait to introduce you. I have Kuzma at 23 only because 
it's good intriguing. Pick. It's a good pick. Well, it's intriguing because if he sucks and they end up not making the finals or whatever, everybody he'll be the fall guy. If what do you think you get for Kuzma? <laughs> I mean, you're not getting Karis Levert. You're not getting guys like that. I don't know what you're getting. Josh Richardson. He's only got he's got one more year to a small thing. Anyway, you did that pretty. That was pretty good off the top of your head, by the way. Uh, he's the third best player in that team. And I would say he is the worst third best player of any cont- on any contender. But that's by design. They traded everything for Davis. Although, the way Lonzo looked in the bubble, the Davis trade's looking better and better. Oh, I'm my start- God. I'm starting to revise huh? my... I mean, Lonzo looks like he's on his way to Greece. What Man, happened? There's no way. There's no way he's this bad, uh, first of all. And I was, uh, I was the target of uh, many many Pelicans uh, guys about the Gentry thing, but you know, there's only so much I can say. Uh, but uh, I would say, like, I'm not, look, it was awful, but I'm not ready to give up on Lonzo because it was pretty good for, for like four months this year. So I'm not, I'm not anti Lonzo other than the evidence after the bubble was like, Hey, did you know that they voted to come back? Were you, did you not know the rest of the guys voted to come back? And, you know, really the biggest thing with the Pelicans too, man, and, you know, digging around a little bit on this, I'm, in, I'm in making an announcement, all right? I want everyone, this should be the breakout video. Stop freaking out about guys' physiques on, on photos, on social media, okay? I could look like two different people if I wanted to within the span of 30 seconds. And when Zion in that pictures post is like, man, 25 pounds of muscle, impossible. Zion, again, 25 pounds of muscle in months. Bane, look at this guy. And then you watch the games, you're like, he looks out of shape. I love him. I love him. If I'm Zion, I'm like, why am I the problem when I'm a dominant player? And and what? But there's something you said years ago that I didn't like, and then I had to kind of begrudgingly admit that you were right about it, where... When you start your NBA life as a loser, it's a fucking problem. And that's something you shouldn't you shouldn't accept. There's nothing like a guy that never thinks he's going to lose. I'm serious. Like I'm not trying to do softball stats with you, but when you never think you're going to lose a game, that's such an amazing like mentality to have. And you brought it up with the Sixers where you're like, I think this might be like a long-term thing where your foundation is set with Hey, we're just going to lose a million games. No one cares. No one's accountable. Not a big deal. And you don't have to play. That's a problem. And with Zion, whoever gets that gig has to say to him, you could be maybe the best player in the league, but we need you to get in a little earlier. We need you to stay a little bit later. And yes, they babied you for good reason, but eventually you got to play. And that's the thing about the Pelicans that, that scares me a little bit as much as I love watching that kid play basketball. Coach Mike D'Antoni? Um, that'd be the best pretty, thing to happen to Alonzo. Pretty weird because, you know, normally you don't get to coach out without another year on the deal. So, I mean, I'm going to defer to you on this one. I think you know pretty well. He's out, right? Who? D'Antoni. I, th- I would guess it depends on how they do, but I would assume okay, but if say, they don't say make like round I, three, would I bet on him being there next year? Yes. No, no. All right. I bet okay. on him not being there next year, but I don't know. I selfishly kind of want to see what Harden would be like with another coach where in the first time out of game one where Harden goes, uh, actually, uh, I, uh, I just bring the ball up and shoot every single time. So whatever. I have a deal here. 
Maybe they'll maybe they'll just make him the coach. Taking a break, then we're uh, finishing this up. One more break to talk about Buffalo Wild Wings. Playoff basketball, it's finally here. Catch all the postseason action with Buffalo Wild Wings. Maybe there's no fans in the crowd. That doesn't mean the real fans aren't at home cheering louder than ever from the edge of their seat, and they can get that sports bar feeling with wings from B-dubs. Get boneless or traditional wings and over 24 of your favorite sauces and seasonings. Parmesan garlic, honey barbecue, mango habanero. Oh, yeah. For a limited time, get a wing bundle with 15 traditional wings and 15 boneless wings plus fries. They call this the Joe House. For just $29.99, that's enough wings for the whole house. The playoffs are here. There's no better way to watch than with Buffalo Wild Wings. Order at buffalowildwings.com or through the Buffalo Wild Wings app today at participating locations for a, a limited time. Bundles only for takeout or delivery through Buffalo Wild Wings app or website. Not valid with any other offer. All right, I have two more guys in my top 25. I'm going to recap it, though, for you. Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, Dame, Harden, Butler, Davis, Tatum, Embiid, Luka, Paul George, Jokic, Mitchell, Kemba, SGA, CP3, Duncan Robinson, Nick Nurse, Westbrook, Porter Jr., Porzingis, Lowry, Kuzma, number 24 on my list, playing his last last two weeks for the Brooklyn Nets, Karis LeVert. <laughs> so wait, he's, I mean, yeah, he's still alive. Uh, I think Karis LeVert's a really talented guy. If you were healthier, he would have gone higher in the draft. When he missed that shot against Portland, I was not surprised. Oh. Yeah. Who, uh, where does he, where is he playing next year? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the cap space charts up in front of me, so. You're the Brooklyn GM. You have Durant. You have Kyrie. You're stuck with DeAndre. You're overpaying Joe Harris to keep him. You still have Dinwiddie, although you probably try to trade him this summer. And you have to either trade Dinwiddie or put him with Levert for in a two for one for somebody. What are you trying to get back for Levert? You're trying to get back a shooter who can space things for Durant, Kyrie, who doesn't necessarily need the ball, correct? Yeah, I mean, that was a big thing with Joe Harris and even Sean Marks said, hey, he's he's the number one guy we have to worry about. Like Sean, like Joe, Joe Harris is one of those guys where you go, how much do I have to pay this dude? But yet everybody's trying to pay that guy. Everyone, And the great thing about Joe is he can put it on the floor a little bit. And, you know, I'm not saying he's like, you know, you're running your, your stuff through him. Um, this, this league's about scoring, so I wouldn't be in a hurry to get rid of Karras because I think he's so good off the dribble. Um, he needs but, the ball too much, though. He can't play yeah, at Durant and Bro Kyrie. Brooklyn's had a really weird... Can you imagine this run of D'Angelo Russell, massive usage guy, Dinwiddie, as soon as he gets out of there, I, I'm right. They've had... And then Karras. They've had three guys that are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But but it's such an element of... we Like, everything is them. It's it's up to them. So, like, I, li I think all of us like Karras LeVert, but if he's your best player, you have a problem, which is, you know... Can't wait to see where he goes. 25th and last on my list, Eric Bledsoe. Just because he was the guy last year. That Over Middleton. Well, I think Middleton's more of a fixed. I, I, I know what I'm getting with him. I don't know what I'm getting from Bledsoe in these playoffs. I have no idea. Is he going to stink like he did last year? Is he going to be better? Is he healthy? I don't know. Can they win the title if they're not getting a and at least a B-plus from Eric Bledsoe? No, I, I don't. I don't think they can. Like they need some big Bledsoe games. Um, that's how I feel. That's why when, I had him twenty fifth. Like Middleton's twenty. 
you just you just write it down, but you you ask yourself, okay, wh- where are these twenty coming? Are they are they coming at the end of quarter one through the beginning of quarter four? Well, he does he does that thing where he has six points, but then he makes all of a sudden he scores ten straight points and he's got sixteen. Yeah, he's one of those guys where it's like, man, where's Middleton? And then it's like Middleton, that's sixteen for him. It's like Jesus, he's just my, three straight threes. What happened? My dad turned seventy five this week, and he's still convinced he could get like twelve points in a game. And he's not lying. Like he's not. He's not being funny about it. I'll be like, Dad, come on. Here's who uh, honorable mention guys who didn't make twenty five. T.J. Warren. There's a a puncher's puncher's chance that he goes toe to toe with Miami for two weeks. I personally think he just got hot in the bubble for a couple of weeks. I don't think that's. I don't think it's sustainable. He's Did you T.J. have to Warren. vote? By the way, for the bubble thing? No, you had to be in the bubble. I was mad. I I checked. I was like, well, I've watched every game. You, I can't did vote. Did you call that. somebody to complain? I, I tried to find out what happened. I, I wanted to know why I wasn't consulted. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe I thought it was a joke when I read about it. I was like, wait, they actually had like a bubble all first and second team? Like, Honorable mention. Most intriguing. Brett Brown could be our fair. I mean, Brett Brown might not be the Sixers coach in like eight days. Eight days Gordon, would be bad. Yeah. Gordon Hayward. For reasons we discussed earlier. Bam Adebayo. Rudy Gobert. Gobert's who, a good one. Very good. Who, with Conley out, do you think he had the conversation with the coach yet? Like, hey, man, if you need me to post up more, I've been really working on it. <laughs> I've got it. are really working on my jump. I only, I only lose the ball half the time. Russell uh, Westbrook for obvious reasons for Westbrook honorable should be mention. Higher. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, he's hurt. He also got hurt by not being on my list. Covington put on there. Fat, always just fascinated by how the Rockets use him. <laughs> and then uh and then Tybal had to put him on. If you text Boston. Just so just so people understand that are listening, Bill will for whatever reason, with zero prompting, it won't even make any sense. It'll be a Tuesday morning, and it'll text House and I going, I love Matthias Teibel. And I'm it's like, not, what What happened? Did he die? It's and not like, untrue. No. Yeah, It's not untrue. All right, round one gambling stuff. Bucks, Magic, Raptors, Nets, the odds are too high. But the other six underdogs, Sixers plus 330, Pacers plus 250, Blazers plus 350, Mavs plus 430, Jazz plus 230, OKC plus 130. I'm not letting you pick OKC as the best underdog bet. If you had to go those other five, Sixers, Pacers, Blazers, Mavs, Jazz, make the case for probably one of Sixers. Those five. Sixers, because I I just I can't get out of my head watching it on the baseline up close, going, This is horrifying with Embiid. And uh, you know, the the Simmons thing may actually I'd rather them have Ben Simmons. If they had Ben Simmons, I would pick them, first of all. Straight up. I would I would pick them to win, but they're still Pardon me, they can't get over that whole thing. OKC is not a fair pick. The Blazers number is wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah, it's it's too low. It's just it's too it's too momentum ish, um, which means you know whatever do do whatever you want to on the other side. So I would I would go with Philly. There's a parlay right now. If you if you do the Lakers parlayed with the Clippers parlayed with the Miami Heat, all three to win their series, it's basically even money. Is that what you're doing? I'm looking at it. For some reason, I'm scared of the Mavs, and I can't explain it. I I've watched those Clippers. I watched the Clippers kill them this year. I 
something worries me about the Clippers <laughs> heading into this round one. I don't like that they're not their full team yet. And I, I think the Mavs got a lot of good bubble time in and they kind of know who they are. And they're gonna just fire up threes. And look, I'm not saying I'm not saying watch out, the Mavs are gonna win this series, but when I think about parlays like that, and you just kind of had that gut feeling of which team kind of scares me. I'm not scared of the Pacers and I'm not scared of the Blazers, but I'm like a wee bit scared of the Mavs. I don't like betting against somebody who's awesome, like Luca. Like it sucks when you have a bet and there's somebody in the other team and they're just killing you. So uh I think that the in terms of just odds that are screwed up, I think that Sixers line is just too high. I don't understand it. Like the Celtics being minus 420 when there's no home court advantage makes no sense to me. It'd be one thing if it was like game sevens in Boston, but it's not. It's Everyone's playing in the same location every time. And the times of the games are weird too, you know? Like they're playing 3.30, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this week. I'm just prepared for weird shit. I was I was anti weird shit for a while because I was like, why are you gonna just assume that the lesser teams are gonna be better because the circumstances are different? Like no one's traveling, so no one should be tired. Although yeah. the 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 end of the year injury assessment with so many of these guys, it's so annoying. Like, oh hey, by the way, groin. And they're like, All right, cool. Like, you know what because I don't know, and I'm not dismissing it, but I, I don't know. Because guys can be hurt, but it's like, are you so hurt that you were a different guy? Or did you still, like, if you got 30 a game and you're telling me your knee was a little twitchy, I, I don't I don't know what to do with that. Like, am I supposed to give you more credit? Am I supposed to say that you were supposed to win the series? And this stuff happens all the time with these guys. So, um, so you think Hazonia's hurt? <laughs> he's, uh, he's He hasn't been right. Since and that's the other part. When I go through the season series, you go, oh, okay, this team beat this team three out of four times. You're like, all right, when's the last time they played? A year ago, January 30th. <laughs> <laughs> go, so so what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, it's tough when they start going backwards with stuff that happened earlier in the year when it's eight, nine months away, when some of the teams are different, when different guys are playing. You know, like the Blazers are a good example where how do you use any stats with the Blazers when Nurkic wasn't on there when he's their third most important player? Well, they're still bad on defense even with him. But, like, you know, Denver's sure. a great example because you go, they played a bunch of these games without their backcourt. And yeah. Gary Harris is going to miss the first game. And then sometimes when I watch him, on Will Barton's going to miss the first game too. So you go, you know, wait a minute. Uh, what's going on here? But sometimes when I watch Gary Harris on offense, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's more shots reporter. He was terrible this year. And I remember we must have talked about this last summer. We were talking about Chris Paul destinations. And I thought Denver was the was the team. And they had enough salaries to put in. And I just felt like, you know, you think about him as the instant leader on this team. And maybe the Jokic thing is a tiny bit weird. I don't know. But I think it's um, weird. I think it's weird to put Paul with with Jokic, to be honest with you. But I'd rather have like if they're giving Chris Paul away and it's, I could figure it out for Gary Harris and a couple more pieces. I'm just doing it, figuring it out later. Do you think Chris Paul's on OKC a year from now? Uh, he's got one more year, right? At over 40 million. Yeah. Um, and we don't know what's happened with the cap. Everything that I've heard about him was, they, they actually told him, hey, we're going to let you relax no, don't go too crazy. He's 44 million next year. Uh, Ooh, 44? 40, he's 44 million next year. Um, 
Jesus. I, I really, you know, look, here, here's, I put my Chris Paul hoodie on, but uh, Billy Donovan, like, from what I was told, was kind of like, hey, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to make sure you're okay. We're going to, you know, we want to bring you along slowly. We want to spare you the grind of all this stuff. And Paul was like, nah, no, I'm going. Like, fuck this. Let's go. And they were like, oh, my God. And, you know, I, I, I just think there's something about having a point guard where you trust his instincts so much that they may not want to get rid of him. You know? <laughs> and remember, he took less money to get out of L.A. in the first place to go to Houston. And then Harden didn't want to play with him anymore. And I don't think Paul loved playing with Harden. Obviously, he's not there anymore. But, uh, I, you know, I, well, I that's the most fun series. I, I mean, out of the so most much fun, fun round one subplots, you know, that the Embiid, what's he going to do, I think is one of the big questions. OKC versus Houston is just such a good series. And I have no idea how it's going to play out. And I'm probably going to try to avoid betting on it because um, there's just too many weird factors going. Dame versus the Lakers will be really fun. And then that Denver-Utah one, I just think that's like throwing shit against the wall. Anyone who's like, here's my hardcore opinion on Denver-Utah, I think you're crazy. I don't know what's going to happen in that series. It would be pretty disappointing if Denver lost that series. It would be, but I, I can't say I trust them. Do you? I have trust issues in general, Bill. Yeah, so. I know. That's fair. That I, The team I would be most disappointed in in round one if they had a stink bomb is I think Miami just because I really bought into them over the last couple weeks and even like earlier than that I really do think that that team's dangerous what if Philly beats Boston where are you going to be if Philly beats Boston it will be because Kemba was completely compromised that's why that's why they will lose that series if it happens it would be because Kemba's playing on one leg or he re-injures his knee or some sort of thing. I think if if he's relatively healthy, even if Embiid is putting up like 38 and 15 every game, I still don't think I still think Boston's just a better team. Yeah, I trust I trust them more. I just, you know. They certainly have a better coach. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So you have uh when's your next pod? You got Mike Vick uh this week. Seth Curry this week looks like Todd McShay as well, who did his uh, first round mock draft that he hates doing more than anything. It's the most red deal. So we have a really good week. I want to leave you with this stat, though, because as we were doing this pod, I was watching the Yankees and Red Sox, which would have years and years ago dictated my entire day. My entire day would have revolved around first pitch Yankee Sox Sunday night baseball. From 1999 to 2001, Pedro Martinez, who is the best pitcher to ever throw a baseball in the history of the sport. No argument here. He really is. I actually think Pedro's underrated. I want to do a full-blown, shirts-off Pedro podcast to be like, mm. you Like you don't. people don't understand how insane you are. I'd need like are. 10 minutes just to refresh in my head some of the numbers, but I'd be ready. I could be ready to go in 10 minutes. His ERA differential, one of those years where he's like two runs lower than the guy who's second, and, you know, look, there's going to be an asshole listening to this. And just, just say out loud in front of your kids, hey, I'm an asshole. I resisted Rosillo's Pedro, you know, proclamation because Pedro, I wouldn't mind if he was on currency. 
that's how I feel about Pedro Martinez. So anyway, Friday night Yankee Stadium, one hitter, 17 Ks against the best Chili baseball team of the last 30 years. Chili Davis guessed fastball, got out in front, turned on a changeup, the only hit. And I was bartending that night with a Yankees fan who was the owner. And one of my favorite part, I think it was Yankee hat giveaway day. And there were people in the bleachers losing their minds after every strikeout. Pedro was just, um, there's no one, there's no one. I don't, What's I don't your stat? All right, here we go. <laughs> like, all right, stop talking about it. No, no, because I sidetracked you. No, I just, I want to, I want to write Pedro a letter. Cursive, not typed. In those three years, he gave up 122 earned runs. The Red Sox going into tonight's game against the Yankees had given up 124 earned runs. <laughs> wow. That's in like 20, that's like insane. 18 games. <laughs> oh my God. Pedro gave up less runs in three years. And yes, I understand he's not pitching every single day, but I, uh, I like that the Red Sox owners at least finally admitted that they fully intended to take a shit this season. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's 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 like the video game that's not allowed to use the players' names. And uh I really I really love baseball so much. And for the first couple of weeks, I was like, all right, socks are on at four. And I go, why am I why am I doing this to myself? And uh I still throw it on the second TV. It's a second TV assignment at this point. So I would be watching more if Devers wasn't a corpse. I don't know what happened to him this year. But uh, yeah, but I'm he not was like, my he was my favorite remaining Red Sox player. But you throw over Bogarts, yeah. I I just I liked watching Devers hit until this year. But um, the pitching staff was so was such an affront, such an affront to the fan base, to the people who you know until they decided we couldn't have games. But people were going to play full season ticket, hardcore prices for the you know Ryan Weber and this kind of shit. It's like. <laughs> I, and then they're like, well, you know, we got some bad luck with sale. It's like, yeah, it's bad luck. Cause you gave the guy a giant extension and he couldn't get through a season. It's like you had bad luck with Erod. Erod had bad luck. He had COVID sales, not bad luck. Sale is bad management. Yeah. Sales, not prepping. Um, and I look, I trust me. I've, I've heard it where you go, Hey, this is, wasn't the plan. I go, okay. But what was the plan? It's the worst rotation of our lifetime for the third highest payroll, I think in the league. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to get so mad. Ownership. And if you if you put it into two categories, like, hey, these owners are going to come in. They're going to save Fenway, make it a historical monument. They're going to win four titles. And that's how your 20 years are going to go. All of us would have signed up for that. So let's be fair to them. I would have signed fact, up for the one title. Yeah, I know. Back then, are you kidding? I just wanted one. That's all I wanted was one. And then, ironically, once they got one, I was, I was a little bit more over it because I was doing it every single day. But I, uh, I just... You know what's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to spend so much money on some B minus guy to be like, see, we're I not really cheap. Hope they don't. They are. They are. They did it before. They did Please it with Crawford. Do they did Red it with Sox. Lackey. Just the Red Sox should be a team that's like buying the Mookie Betts type. But look, if Mookie didn't want to stay, he didn't want to stay. Okay, fine. The whole deal. But uh, watching Mookie every night here in LA smash the hell out of the baseball, and then watching a guy from my intramural B league pitch is is been a no one cares about us, but it's not been fun. It's a little taste for what it's like when things don't go well for your sports team. I would say if the Boston, Boston fans. If Boston could just get we it definitely right. do. We definitely do. 
one last thing before we go. Last week we talked about uh, Luca's passing and Harden, and we had I thought a pretty intelligent nine minute conversation about the whole thing. One tiny excerpt was pulled out of it, was put on Twitter, made it seem like I said James Harden only got cheap assists, even though we said over and over again that he was one of the best passers in the league, super creative, all that stuff. And, you know, yet again, it's one of those things where I I don't know if this is just where we are with sports media in 2020, where people take the tiny excerpt, they take it out of context, they don't put the time in to listen to the whole segment. Um, but then to hear it regurgitated, I didn't know it was happening because I'm not on Twitter, but then I think some, some blogger wrote a news thing about it. And yeah, I was then like, once really? it happens, once somebody does something, I was like, once, what is this? Yeah. I was like, yeah. this is a thing that people, people thought this was blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, well, so here's the thing. We're going to shoot the shit. Sometimes we go for two hours and if people pull the stuff out of context, um, and they don't want to listen to the whole thing then that's on them. I think Luca's the best passer in the league. Uh, I have lots of evidence for this, including the fact that he's averaging almost nine and a half assists a game. He's 21. Uh, he's incredibly creative. And the way his teammates react to him, which is the whole point of what we were talking about, like this is something Harden, it took him eight, nine, 10 years to get to a similar point. Luca's Luca came into the league almost fully formed in that thing. And if we can have an intelligent conversation about that, then that really shakes my faith into uh, into where we're going with sports coverage. And then to have, you know, at least one announcer who I won't name because I like, just read the uh, headline of it and then regurgitate it. Like I said, Harden only gets cheap assists because that's how this shit works. It's like, all right, well, you know, I, I just hope that most people actually heard it know that this is the wrong way for shit to go down. I'm just glad when we were prepping for this pod and you said, I think Joe Harris is the number one scorer in the league. I was like, let's not do that. Luke is fucking unbelievable. I, how is this a debate? We complimented, we complimented Harden the whole time. I, I don't, I, I have nothing to add to it. I was so mad when I heard the announcer say what she said. So, but whatever. Oh, there you go. Anything else? Anything else you want to hit? Uh, Went to a UFC guy's house last night to watch a UFC fight. That was interesting. I don't know if I'm not. I don't know if I'm allowed to say where I was. Cormier could have been in better shape. Yeah, but you could say that about Cormier every single time. He looked especially uh, girthy. Stipe, Stipe looked tight. I started. Stipe I started. Good. Get some, I just started like in my own head. I was like, huh, two thirty. Stipe looked pretty good. All right. Yeah. Um, we'll That's be all back. I got. Next Sunday, the last game on Sunday, Nuggets Jazz. That goes until 8.30. We probably, maybe we'll go a little earlier on Sunday, but we'll have a lot to talk about. All right, thanks to Spotify. Thanks to FanDuel. Don't forget about the Ultimate Hoops Ringer Contest. You can join. You can do it any day you're feeling it with Daily Fantasy. Join. If you win the day, you advance to the finals. Big prize at stake. Thanks to Home Depot. With the Home Depot, decorating your home is now easier than ever before. They offer free delivery on select items, $45 or more. And now for a limited time, you get 10% off the styles you love when you use code BillSimmons10 at checkout. Valid on select items only online. Find exactly what you're looking for and more at homedepot.com slash decor.
Okay, that's it. Two more podcasts here coming up this week. And then uh, Rewatchables, we have two coming, including... I was so excited for the NBA playoffs starting this week. Had to do an awesome movie. So we're doing Caddyshack. That's coming Monday night. 40-year anniversary. Long overdue. Stay tuned for that. Go Celtics. <laughs>